Hi guys, welcome back to AG University Podcast. It is I, your professor speaking at Anna Grace Newell on all major platforms. I am a clairvoyant medium, intuitive guide, and an Akashic Records practitioner. And if you are new here and you're like, well, what the heck are the Akashic Records? I like to say they are angel readings. It's connecting with a super high vibrational, playful frequency of love and joy. And if you want to know how I got started in this work, I highly recommend checking out episode number one. Today, we are going in, 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 in on nervous system regulation to a very specific degree. And you guys, I have my dear, darling, beautiful, precious garden fairy friend, Nikki, who is a Reiki master and teacher and healer, energy healer, somatic breath work. She is so educated about nervous system regulation. I learned so much in this interview. There were so many times where I stopped her. And I'm like, okay, actually I need you to break that down further because you know, when you just have a conversation with someone and they explain it to you in a way that you're like, I've known that, but you just said it in a way that has so many light bulbs going off inside of my brain. That is how I feel being in Nikki's presence. She just has such a lightness behind her eyes. Like it's like, she just has, the, she's just a very special special person. And she's someone that I personally would sit with and do Reiki and breath work. And I'm very picky. I always want to feel safe. And I want you guys to work with people who make you feel empowered and safe. And just her energy is just so loving and yummy and delicious. And she wants to help people. And I just can't say enough good things about her. And this episode is so insightful. I highly recommend taking notes. So without further ado, let's get into it. You guys, welcome back to AG University Podcast. I am so excited and the timing is nothing short of divine as always, because my dear friend Nikki is on the show. Welcome, Nikki. She is a beautiful- Hi, thank you for having me. She's a beautiful Reiki practitioner, also somatic healer and breathwork practitioner, which you guys, if you listened to last week's episode, I said I wanted to learn more about breathwork. And then the universe said, perfect timing. Here you go, Nikki. <laughs> so welcome, 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 Nikki. I'm so happy you're here. Oh my gosh. It is such an honor to be here. I'm so, so, so deeply excited to be chatting with you and just catching up with you. It's been like a minute since we actually got to like sit face to face to talk, but I'm truly so grateful and honored to be here. And it's so cool that it's such divine timing to like talk about all of these things now that it's kind of landed in your lap. Yes. Yes. Now that it's like, I really need you. You're like, we scheduled this interview, you guys, before I even really knew what was going on with me health wise. And then this came up on my schedule. And this morning when I was getting ready. I was so excited because also Nikki and I are friends in real life. And we went to a wedding together recently. It was our friend, Nicole, Nicole Marilyn. She's been on and so we had good. the most fun ever. Nikki is a fellow dancing unicorn. She's a dancing fairy. She can get down. We had so much fun. <laughs> that was so fun. That was truly like one of the funnest nights of my life. Like there was so much dancing. The wedding was amazing, but it was just so fun to meet you and feel like I already knew you. And then we just frolicked like little fairies throughout the whole wedding. We really did. Nikki and I just like held hands and skipped and danced around. And she also is is dating in Austin. So we both have an Austin. And both of our Austins were just like, they're the most chill Austins. They were just like chilling. And Nikki and I were just like, ah, <laughs> like jumping everywhere. <laughs> I know. They were like so mellow, but they could still get down. But me and you were everywhere, all over that dance floor. Even at the after party, we were like the life of that after party. We were. And, and I, I'm pretty sure we we were the most sober people there and we were the most lit. <laughs> we were 
literally so sober, like so sober. Everybody was so wasted and we were just on the little stage platform thing doing our thing. It was so fun. It was so fun. We got up on stage and we said, we're going to put on a show for you guys. Everyone's like, who are these yeah. girls? <laughs> literally, they're like, who are they? Were they even invited? It was so good. It was so good. It was so good. So anyways, I'm just so happy to be back in your energy because it always feels so happy and fairy. You are a magical fairy. You're definitely a garden fairy. (laughs) Oh my God. So are you. You are truly like the happiest, lightest energy I've ever been in. I'm like instantly calm and lit up the moment that I'm in your presence. That's the best compliment ever. Thank you so much. I received that so deeply. Um, Okay. Well, I could talk all day long about how much I love you and how excited I am, but like Nikki has an incredible story, you guys. So everyone buckle the fuck up and Nikki, just blast off. Tell us everything. Tell us how you got started being a Reiki master. Tell us what your healing journey. Just tell us everything. Take us back. Hit it. Oh, gosh. And so I me and Anna Grace were talking about this a little bit before of just how layered our stories are. And it's like trying to sum up like 10 years worth of a story into like a little package and it can be so difficult. But here's like the 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 version that I feel the most aligned with when I'm telling it. And it, mm-hmm. I feel like it really just gives you the full perspective of like, how the heck did I even get here? And really what started was the fact that I had a eating disorder. And it's kind of funny looking back that an eating disorder propelled me to where I am now because the eating disorder was something that kind of like creeped up. Mm-hmm. It was like very not intentional. It was something where I had just left high school. I was, I have a twin sister for anybody listening who doesn't know me. So I have a twin sister. And so that's a really tough upbringing when you're constantly being compared to somebody else. And it, we're fraternal twins. So we don't look exactly alike. So we're a little bit different. And then we have an older sister who's only a year and a half older. So we're basically triplets, right? Mm-hmm. So it's just a little bit difficult to be in that position and you're constantly being compared to, but it didn't really hit me until I was leaving high school. And then we were going our separate ways for the first time in our entire lives. Like imagine being with someone 24 seven, same room, same womb that you came out of, right? Like you were just with this person, same group of friends, all of the things. So we're together all the time. And so the first time we split up was going to college. And I kind of like was in this place of like, who am I? Like I, I have my own identity. Like that's so weird. I, I never got to experience who I was without my twin, without these friend groups, without these labels, all of these things. And so it was this identity crisis. So I go into college and I'm like, I just want to be the best version of me. And it started out so innocently. I just wanted to be a good student. I just wanted to get good grades. Mm. That's all I really wanted. And then I was in nursing school. So you're learning about the body. You're learning ways to take care of the body. And I was like, ooh, I'm not doing such a good job at that. Like kind of drank a lot in high school and was doing all these things and not eating really good. And so it just started out with like, let me just eat a little bit healthier. Let me work out all these things. And then it was so many compliments from people. Oh, you look really good. Oh, did you lose weight? And it started to be like, oh, people are noticing me in this way, giving me these compliments. And Mm. it started to mess with my head a little bit. And so it trickled into this really, really aggressive eating disorder that did become about body image and all of the things. And body dysmorphia was a huge thing in my disorder too. And I was just super stubborn. And so the eating disorder pretty much lasted seven, eight years. And I was so, I was not willing to recover. 
my parents tried everything. They were like, you need to go into like treatment. And I refused. And I was like, I'm not going in there. They tried to take me against my will. And I still ran out. And I was like, I just know that this isn't the path for me. It's not the path for me. And that's not to say that it isn't the path for some people. But there was a deep knowing that that wasn't going to help me. And I needed to figure out and I needed to want it for myself and not it be forced upon me. Because I'm so stubborn. If you're trying to force me to do something, I'm going to run like hell in the opposite direction. So I just kind of met my parents' limits. And so I remember being at my mom's house and she kind of just like came into the room and she was like, what if we got you breast implants? Maybe that's what's going to help your body image. Like that's oh, good. No. That's going to be the thing that helps your body image. And I was young and it was the first time that that message even came into my brain, I had never thought about, oh, I should get breast implants or I should get surgery or I should do like that was never a thought I had. And of course, you're your own worst critic and enemy when you have a disorder and you're telling yourself that you're not good enough, all these things. But a surgery was never in the atmosphere. I just didn't consider that. And so when my mom brought it to me, it felt like this verbal confirmation that I wasn't good enough. And, and I know that that's not my mom's fault and I know that was not her intention, but it came into this way of like, oh, even my mom thinks that I should get surgery. So I was then willing to change a body that I thought I hated. And so I was like, okay, yeah, I'm going to get breast implants because it was presented to me. She's going to pay for it. I don't have to worry about it, whatever. And the day of the surgery comes and my body is like, nope nope, screaming at me. They're like, don't do this. Don't do this. This isn't for you. Mm -hmm. And I was like, (sighs) I showed up anyway. And I was like, my mom like already like paid half of this, you know, for the deposit. I have to go. And then they took my blood pressure to prepare me for the surgery. And it was so low. And I have a nursing background. I was still a nurse at the time. And I was like, to the nurse who was taking my blood pressure, I was like, I don't think I should do this. I'm like, my blood pressure is really low. And they're like, well, you will just artificially raise it during your surgery to keep you alive. I just got chills. They had to artificially raise my blood pressure just to keep me alive to get breast implants. Oh, bless So, God. yeah. my And so I was like a people pleaser. I didn't know how to stand up for myself. So I said, okay, like I don't want to waste anybody's time. I don't want to be a, oh. a burden, a hassle. I'm just going to do it. Even when it depended on my body, like my actual physical being, I was willing to people please so much so to whatever crazy looking back on it. So after the surgery, like the morning after, because one, I was so underweight. I was so weak. I didn't handle the surgery well. And on top of it, it was when you have an eating disorder and you're so low body weight, right? You don't have enough fat, like your blood pressure is already just low. Like it it sits lower than normal when you have a disorder. And so then them knowing that, right, they gave me Tylenol with codeine. And a side effect of that is lowering your blood pressure. And so it was for the pain and I, you know, was prescribed to take it at this time and whatever. So I took it and I had my Austin with me to help me go to the bathroom and went blind. My blood pressure didn't reach the level to like where it like to my head. So I just went blind, couldn't see anything, collapsed to the floor just after having my chest ripped open and it was terrible. And my mom at that time, like, wasn't willing to take me to the ER. She's like, she's going to be fine. She's going to be fine. So they just turned on some bathtub water, sit me, sat me in the bathtub, and I, like, woke up or whatever. And so, like, luckily I was fine. But, like, the point is, is that I wasn't – my body wasn't there. Like, I was not strong enough 
physically for my body to handle that surgery. And I remember waking up and just looking at myself in the mirror after the surgery being like, what the fuck did I just do? What did I just do? It felt like I just remember like my face just like heating up because I was like, what did I do? Like the shame and the guilt and the fear of like what was going to happen. And it took me and my body a long time to recover, way longer than it should to get breast implants. And I was fine, right? Like I, I healed after a couple months and I actually did end up recovering from my disorder, but it wasn't because of the breast implants. And that's like a big message I want to put out there for anybody who's struggling with their body is that surgery isn't the way. Changing your outward appearance isn't the way to heal and recover from the disorder. It's just not. And in, you know, when you go to get breast implants, they give you this little like info packet and it says in big letters on there, do not get if you have an eating disorder. And I remember Mm -hmm. kind of just like closing it up and just shoving it to the side and being like, I'll be fine be fine. And there were so many messages of like, this is going to be a path, a journey for you because you ignored your body and you're going to learn the lesson. And so a couple years go by, maybe like three, I'm feeling pretty good, right? I had just quit my nursing job because I started to build my own business and I could finally quit. I was so excited. And then the universe had like a little, a different plan for me in that now that time that I had freedom away from my nursing job, it was like the universe is like, okay, now there's some work to do now that you have the time and the freedom and the space. So I'm thinking it's going to be this wonderful time where I'm going to have all this time. I'm going to build my business, all these things. And then I started getting random pain in my body and it started in my arm. And I will never Mm. forget this. It was like Mm. kind of by my elbow. And it was a pain that I can't describe to this day. And I knew something was wrong. And I went immediately to my sisters and I was like, something is wrong. I was like, there's like a pain in my arm. And they just started laughing at me. They're like, you're a hypochondriac. It's literally a pain in your arm. What is going to happen? And three days later, it spread to my whole body and I couldn't walk (gasps) at all. I have full body chills again. It was the most pain I've ever experienced in my whole entire life. It felt like every single bone in my body was breaking. It was so intense. And I was like, something is wrong with me something is wrong with me. And it felt like nobody was listening to me. And Mm. I was like, I can't move. I had to be carried to go to the chiropractor just to go to get like almost daily treatments just to be able to walk. And I was like, something is seriously wrong with me. And so I'm going from like doctor to doctor to doctor. They're like, oh, you just have IBS. And I'm like, IBS is making me not be able to walk? Like, cause I was experiencing so many other symptoms. Like I started having digestive issues and all these things. And they're like, oh yeah, IBS can cause like pain in your joints. And I'm like, this is not just pain in my joints. I'm <laughs> like, something is wrong with me. And anyways, so I'm going to the chiropractor thinking, you know, maybe, maybe my body was just really out of alignment. I don't know. But there was a deeper knowing, mm. such a deeper knowing that I w- wouldn't even admit to myself or out loud was that it was my breast implants. And I just knew it. And I was like, I'm not going to. Because the thing is, is that it started going to like my shoulder area, like in my back, and it started to feel like fire. And I was Mm -hmm. like, I know that it's really close to where breast implants are. I know this is it, but I don't want that to be true. I don't want it to be true at all. And then at that same time, it was kind of when like COVID was just happening. And Austin at the time, the company he worked for went under because of COVID. So they all lost their jobs. So it became this moment, though, where he no longer was tied down to being in Chicago and I wasn't either because I quit my job. And I was like, you know what? The chiropractor's helping, like my body's getting better. 
we can still move because we didn't feel aligned in Chicago. We really wanted to move somewhere else. And we were originally supposed to go to Texas, which is wild thinking about it. We had like, we got approved for a place. We were going to go to Texas. And like a week before I was like, I can't do it. I don't know why. I just told Austin, I'm like, I can't, Texas is not the place to go. Like, I don't know why. I just have this feeling that I can't go there. And so we took like a little road trip to North Carolina then because we just wanted somewhere that's a little bit warmer than Chicago, still has seasons, all of these things. So North Carolina was like the next on our list, somewhere that's like affordable. And we go and we really liked it. And we got approved for an apartment on that trip. So like fast forward a month, we move in. And the day that we moved into that apartment, my entire body shut down entire body, my nervous system, my musculoskeletal system, my immune system, my digestive, everything, everything just shut down. And it was terrifying. And I was like, something really is actually wrong with me. And now I just moved states away from anybody that I know besides Austin. And now I'm going to have to go through this all by myself. And luckily I found a chiropractor really, really close by and him and his wife, I don't even mean to be dramatic when I say this, but they saved my life. They literally no, saved my life. It. Yeah. And they did x-rays and they were like super in depth. And after like a month or two, I first brought it to them. I was like, I have breast implants. Like, I don't know if this is causing some of these things. And they were like, mm, we won't jump to that conclusion yet. And so they were like helping me. And then eventually I remember leaving one day and I got an email right after I left from his wife, who is an acupuncturist. And she was like, me and Dr. Lance think you have something called breast implant illness had no idea that was a thing, no idea that it had like a a name. And immediately I just like exit out of the email and I was like Googling, like, what is breast implant illness? I've never heard of this. And sure as shit, I had every single symptom of Mm. breast implant illness. And I was like, oh my God. And from that moment, I was like, I have to get them out. There was no other option. There was no thinking about it. I was like, I'm getting them out. I'm getting them out of my body so that I can heal. And when you think about it, it's a foreign object in your body. And of course, our body's going to reject that, right? And even when you look up what is in breast implants, it's wild. It should be so illegal to put these in people. It is like 50 plus neurotoxins and carcinogens and so many things that are just filled. They're just sitting in your body on vital organs. And so... I was learning so much about breast implant illness and it was, you know, everything I was reading was like, it affects every single organ system in your body, which is why I had digestive issues, which is why my immune system shut down. I was trying to fight so many things, but because of that, so many things had the opportunity to come out. So like my Lyme disease and the Lyme co-infections, and then my liver was sluggish. So I had SIBO and I had parasites and I had all of these things, just like my body just went into chaos like chaos. And so within a month, I had the breast implants like out, like I found out and then I was like, I don't care how I'm going to do it, but I'm going to get them out as soon as I can. And the problem with that though, is that any of the doctors or surgeons that were covered by my insurance did not believe in breast implant illness. They were like, that's a social media disease. That's not real. And they would just not validate me. And you need a specific surgery to heal from the breast implant illness because they can remove the implant. But you also have to have the capsule 
that forms around it, the scar tissue that forms around it, that's trying to protect your body from the implant. You also have to have that removed to get rid of the symptoms. And so many surgeons aren't willing to remove the capsule because it's more dangerous, but you need to get it removed. And so many of the ones who were covered by my insurance were like, nope, we're not doing it. We're not doing it. And I was frustrated beyond belief because I had already dealt for probably nine months at that point with the most debilitating back pain I have ever felt in my whole entire life. All I remember of that time is me laying on the floor with heating pads all over my body. And that's all I did all day. I could not move. I literally had to relearn how to walk because the breast implants messed with my anatomy so much that I could literally could not walk. And so I was so frustrated and out of my mind. And I remember like, I was like, fine, I'll even go home, you know, to Chicago to get the surgery if I could just get in to somebody to get these out of me. And the thing is, is with that surgery, it's so far booked out that it will take like four to six months to even get a spot to get your implants removed. And I just had this feeling that I was like, I just have to try one more person in North Carolina, one more surgeon. I'm just going to give it a go and see if these people can get me in. And this was the number one breast explant surgeon in the country. And I don't know why I thought that I was going to get into this, right? And I remember calling the receptionist lady and I was like, I need to get my breast implants out. They're causing me so much. I was at my breaking point at this time. I didn't care that I was telling her my whole life story. I was like, I am in so much pain. I can't do this anymore. And she was like, it's booked. It's booked out. Like we can't get you in. And I just remember being like, okay, not your fault. And we like hung up and I was outside. I remember I was like on a walk and literally not even five minutes later, she calls me back and she goes, I got you in. It's for next week. Are you going to be ready in a week? She's like, I had breast implant illness and I know the pain that you're going through. And like, I got you in. And it was the most biggest blessing I've ever had in my whole entire life. It was literal like guardian angel was looking down upon me. And I just, I went and I got the surgery and it was wild how different I looked from five minutes before the surgery to like an hour after the surgery. Like I, my whole appearance changed. My face slimmed down. I looked so much less inflamed. I remember waking up from that surgery and my body had felt so much better already just from getting them removed. And the the recovery was so much more than just the explant and like he... He took out the whole capsule, all of the things, and I was so grateful for it and getting the surgery, but you have to detox your body hardcore after having those implants in because silicone is like glue in your cells. So I knew that my healing journey wasn't over because I still had so much to detox from my body and whatnot, and I was still dealing with gut issues and all of the things. So Fast forward to that healing part of the journey. I'm good. The implants are out. I'm feeling like a little bit better. And then we find out that there's mold in our apartment that we were like living in, which was just like another thing on top of me trying to heal. And I, my whole body again, went into like panic mode. I was like, I need to get out of here. I don't feel safe. And so we eventually got out of that apartment, which was great and amazing and wonderful. But then my body again was detoxing and I was just so done. It was done at that time. I was like, I have just spent one or it was probably at that point, like two years, like doing so spending so much money to heal my body. And it was just insane. And so when I looked back at that time, I was like, yes, the supplements and the protocols and things that helped a little bit. But during that time, I also met my first energy healer 
And I went and because the acupuncturist, that same chiropractor and acupuncturist, she was like, you just need to go see this woman. She's helped me so much. And I was like, you know what? I'm willing to try anything. And I had no idea it was an energy healing session. I went into this so blind. I thought I was going to therapy. Literally thought it was a therapist. <laughs> and I, she had, she literally has no social media. She doesn't have like no Facebook, nothing, no website. You can't find her anywhere. So I'm like, I'm just willingly walking into a stranger's house thinking it's like a therapist. And I go in and I sit down and she just starts spewing things that nobody could possibly know, right? Let alone a stranger. She just was telling me all of these things. And I sat down and I'm like, this is not therapy. I'm like, I don't know where I am, but this is not therapy. And she just starts we just went in. We just went in and it was such a unique experience. And we were healing like past versions of me, my eating disordered version of self. I was like forgiving her. I was forgiving other people for what they said, just shining like so much light of the universe into my womb space and my digestion where I was having a lot of issues. And I left that session being like, wow. And that night, I got my period back for the first time in eight years after one energy healing session. I and I was it. like, I need to I'm, know more. I fucking believe it. I know. It's so real. Yeah. It's so real. I was like, what just happened? I was like, wait, what is this? I, it flipped my world upside down because that moment that I moved in and my body shut down, like that was the catapult into my spiritual awakening journey. It just so many things were happening and I was experiencing things and I wasn't super spiritual, quote unquote, at the time. So I didn't have language to mm. put to the things that I was experiencing. And so when I met her and that happened, I was like, something is, something's happening here. And I don't know what it is, but it just felt like the universe putting these little breadcrumbs along the way. It's like this, there's purpose in this illness. There's purpose in this fire that you're walking through and you're going to get through it and you're going to have a story to tell and you're going to have a story to share. And I was just like, okay, I'm open. I'm, I'm scared, but I'm open. And I'm just going to trust the path and where I'm guided. And anyways, there was so much more within that that happened. It wasn't this like quick journey from me, like meeting her and then jumping into Reiki. Like there was so, I was in a, my nervous system state was frozen. I was in mm. a state of freeze for so long. So stuck, overwhelmed, so much going on internally where I just felt like I couldn't make the move. I felt like I had no control over my thoughts and feelings and emotions. Like I really got lost for a moment there and it was, it messed me up so bad. I like was falling out of relationships because I didn't have the capacity to be in them. I didn't have the capacity to show up online. So my business was going down. I was just stuck, anxious, depressed, broke, purposeless, all of the freaking things that you could possibly be. And eventually there was just this one moment where I'm like, I can't do this. Like I have to choose to fight for myself. I have to know that I'm worth fighting for, that I can actually heal this. I don't have to claim sickness as an identity. And just the thought alone is what changed everything. I literally looked up a retreat that was happening three days before I booked it. And I hopped on a plane and I went to New York and I did a mushroom retreat and I had this unbelievable experience on mushrooms. And I came back and then three days after that, I was attuned to Reiki. Wow. And it just blew me open. And like me and you, we talked about this too before. We're just sensitive bodies. We're very mm -hmm. sensitive. And I didn't know how sensitive I actually was until the mushroom trip. 
because it was such a physical experience. It was truly like a nervous system recalibration almost during it. And after I like came out of the trip, my nervous system was revving up. And then I would just buckets of sweat was just come and I was anxious and I was just sweating so much. And then I would calm down. And then like five minutes later, I would rev up like my nervous system and it would just, I'd start sweating and I would get so anxious and it just happened on and off like all night. And the next day I woke up and I had 103 fever for days after that mushroom trip. It was insane. I was like, oh my God, I'm so sensitive to this. It's wild. So anyways, I come home and like the day that my fever broke was the day that I was supposed to get attuned to Reiki. And I was like, well, I paid, got to go. I know I'm not feeling the best, not knowing how powerful the attunements were. I didn't know I was just going to put my body right back through it with the Reiki attunement. And yeah, it was a lot. It was a lot. So this is crazy. I got attuned to Reiki and you go through this 21 day detox after you get attuned to Reiki. And it's kind of like the the Reiki energy is blasting through your chakras. Like every three days, it's going through like your root, your sacral, and your solar. And it's blasting out this density so that you can fully receive, like widen your channel to receive the Reiki energy. And those 21 days were potent for me. I was purging physically, mentally, emotionally. And then I was like, oh, I'm back. I'm back feeling like myself. And I was able to start using Reiki on myself daily, which helped way more than the detoxes and the protocols and the supplements, because that's ultimately what I realized was you have to go inside. You have to go in the body to heal. And that's what I neglected to do for like majority of my healing journey. It was just about how can I detox? What supplement can I take? What's the next protocol? And I was ignoring the inner work, which was actually the stuff that changed everything. So really, that's how I got to be where I am, was just through finding the way through my body. And I think Reiki is a beautiful and potent healing modality, but for me, something felt like it was missing. And that's how I got into breath work. And when I combined the two, I was like, oh my God, there is something to this. This is so powerful because we have to go into the body. You cannot just try to change your mind and change your mind and change your mind. You have to go into the body and you have to shift the energy and the consciousness within the body and then the mind shifts. And then once the mind shifts, then your behaviors change. But you can only do that if you create a place of inner safety. And that's what I learned throughout the whole thing. And that's why I'm here now. Wow. Oh my gosh. I There was like so many times where I really felt like I was going to cry hearing that story. It was so beautiful and powerful and you're so well-spoken and I even feel emotional now just like responding because there were so many parts that I was, I just deeply connect to of like, you were just saying like, I just wanted to be good. I just want to be a good student. Like everything started off so innocently and that's how I was. I was just so, I just wanted to be loved and accepted and successful and I wanted my parents to be happy. And you know, there's so many things that we all have good intentions as women and then there's this people pleasing and there's all this shit we have to work through because then if not, it makes us sick. I mean, anybody, I mean, anybody who is listening to this, even if you haven't had breast implant, I mean, me, my story was Adderall and Vyvanse. I mean, there's always some catalyst in our life that just absolutely takes you to your fucking knees if you don't do the work. So, so for those of you guys listening, if you haven't been taken to your knees, that's amazing. I'm so glad you're here listening to this conversation because we can tell you what to do so that you don't have to just be sniped. Okay. <laughs> we don't want you to be sniped, yeah. Yeah. but 
I mean, wow, that is just thank you. Thank you really so much for sharing all of that with us because that is just there's so many beautiful parts of the story and I have a million questions. But I think okay, the first one that I would love to know is okay, so you get attuned to Reiki and you're saying there's this 21 detox time after you get attuned to Reiki. Can you explain? I've never heard that before. What does that look like? Like what happens in that those 21 yeah. days? Yeah, a lot of people don't know about this. And I didn't either until I got attuned. And really what the 21-day detox is, it's like, so yeah, you got attuned. You go through the experience. And that's going to look different depending on what you're getting attuned to. There's different types, I guess you could say, of Reiki. There's like the Yusui Reiki and there's a Holy Fire Reiki. And the way that I got attuned to one and two was Yusui. So she's drawing the symbols on you and she's blessing you and she's blowing on you and all of these things. And you're kind of like meditating during the experience too. And it's very powerful on the body. But that's not like you're just like snap your fingers and you're attuned. There's also the 21-day detox period. So really what I, like what that looks like, as I was saying, is, is it's going through your chakras every three days. And that energy, so it's universal life force energy that's coming through your body. And it's blasting out these, you know, the density that you're holding in all of your chakras so that you can widen your channel and receive the energy, right? It's kind of like if you're tuning to a radio station, it's like we're tuning our bodies to the frequency of Reiki, which is unconditional love, so that you can actually receive it and use it and call upon it. So really, what can happen during those 21 days is that it's going to look different for everybody, especially because we all have different levels of trauma. We are all in a different nervous system state. We all have different life experiences, all of the things. And so for some people, it's a time of like, ooh, I'm feeling super energized and I'm motivated and I feel clear. But for some people, it's like, it's another let me bring you to your knees type of moment. It's It can be, and for me, I was dealing with physical health issues. So my body, I felt like I was having symptom flare-ups. I was sweating. I was having rashes. There was just so much happening to me. And it was also mentally and emotionally. It was like, look at this limiting belief and look at this limiting belief. And we have to move through this density so that you can start to vibrate and receive this energy. So for some people, it's a really intense time. And it's it's going to be different for everybody. But the thing that I learned is that if you prepare your mind and your body and spirit for the attunements, you can really lighten that load during the 21 day detox. And that's my issue. And that's a whole nother story we can get into. But like, I have an issue with the way that attunements and training is being done in the Reiki world, because most of it is just a one day offering. But if I knew all that I knew now, I would have done it completely different. I would have gotten attuned somewhere else. And I went in for it was a six hour day. And I got attuned to both Reiki one and two. I got two attunements in one day in six hours. And it was too much. And I think that's why my body really went through it after the, you know, during that detox time. But you can, you can go through healing experiences with a Reiki master to prepare yourself. So you don't have to deal with all of that purging that's so unnecessary to do. It's like 21 days. It's so jarring to your nervous system to go through that. Wow. Yeah. I mean, I can, I can only imagine like even I've had really powerful experiences receiving Reiki. You know, I do kind of like my own sort of type of Reiki. I don't really know what to call it just with clients. Sometimes it just kind of happens and I just go with it from the Akashic records. 
Um, but I can only imagine, I mean, sometimes when I'm receiving Reiki, the energy is just so powerful and it's really beautiful, but it's, it's powerful. And so I can imagine that if you're just getting zapped for six hours with this like intense cosmic flow of love, I mean, that's really what it is. But if our nervous system, you know, I read a book once that said, it's like when you're traveling abroad and there's different types of plugs that you plug into, it's like, it's like there's, you're not the correct like match for the flow of love. Cause it's so powerful. It like actually overwhelms you. Cause it's like so loving and so bright and so white. It's like, you know, just the wrong charger being plugged into a plug and you're like, ah, this is so intense, you know? So I could imagine doing a six day attunement would be kind of intense. <laughs> oh my gosh. So intense. I was, and that's the thing. And, and the issue I have is like, there's this, and when you're looking up where to become attuned to Reiki, every offering is like one day attunements, two day attunements. And it's just not enough time. I'm like, are any of us really going to walk away proficient in Reiki in just six, eight hours? Not really, but also it's just not good for your body. And so that's why, you know, again, different story, different conversation, but that's why I created my own attunement program because I'm like, that's, it's so unethical to get attuned in a day and promise people that they're going to be really proficient and they're no, they're going to know how to detect and move energy and all of these things. But it, it is intense. It's like your nervous system can't, if you're not prepared for that, your nervous system can't just hold it because it's like a loving energy, it's still very jarring and there's a lot of friction in the body. Yeah. Cause, cause the body is not used to it regardless if it's a loving energy. You know, the body's like, what is this? I've been holding on to all this trauma and crap, you know, and I'm getting blasted with this brightness and the body is, you know, doesn't know how to hold it because you have to make space in order to hold it. You've got to release some of that. Wow. Which you know, it just, it makes so much sense because you're so in your purpose with your business. And that's exactly why you've created a program because like we've said multiple times, we we are both sensitive creatures. There are some people that probably could handle the six hour attunement and be rocking and rolling. I am a sensitive, gentle being. And so it makes so much sense that your attunement program is the way that it is because there's such a need for it. You and I both know how to be gentle with people, how to like allow them to receive this loving energy in a way that, that everyone can hold. And that feels good because the point is you, you want to feel good when you're going through these processes. doesn't mean it's not going to be hard, but we're not trying to blast you off the planet either. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's true. It's too, I think it's what, you know, what takes somebody from being that mediocre practitioner to that like masterful and proficient practitioner is the person who knows how to hold that courageous, safe space for healing and who doesn't uh, like make people go from zero to 100. Like, let's just dive deep into all of your stuff and let's clear it out in a moment's notice. No, like we need time to just titrate. Like, let's do it little by little. And let's just do it safely and compassionately. And let me just hold the space for you to even begin to trust me so that you can fully unwind and surrender in this space. Otherwise, if there is no trust, if there is no compassion between you and the person that's holding space, it's like there's really no point. Right. Absolutely. Okay. So then you said, you're like, when I started doing Reiki on myself, I noticed a huge difference, but then it was when you combined it with the somatic breathwork practice. That's when you're like, okay, I'm really onto something here. I've cracked the code. Can you explain your approach to breathwork? I would love to hear it. I'm dying to know. Yeah. And I think 
because I was telling you before we started recording that I was listening to one of your other podcasts and there was talk about breathwork. And I think it's so unique to how other people look at breathwork versus how I look at breathwork. And I heard you say something on that podcast that I was like, yeah, you said like, I don't feel like a quick, fast breath is really helpful to somebody who's already dysregulated and already feeling anxious and all of those things. And so for me, the way that I approach breathwork is with a slow breath. And it's a restorative breathwork pattern that's slow. And see, the thing that I like about that is because I started learning a lot about the nervous system and how the nervous system works. And there is not an area of our life that our nervous system doesn't touch. It plays into everything, the amount of success we can have, the amount of happiness we feel, the amount of calm and ease and abundance we feel. Like your nervous system touches literally everything. And so the thing is, is that just in this day and age, most of us are walking around with a dysregulated nervous system. And so what does that mean? It means that every single person is walking around with a restricted, shallow chest breath. Everybody's breathing from the chest. And when you're doing that, you're perpetuating the stress cycle. You're keeping it going. And so a lot of us think, and we want to point fingers at like, oh, well, if I had more help here, then I wouldn't be so stressed. Or if I wasn't late to work, or if I didn't have to go to work. And we're pointing at all of these things that we think are causing the stress, but there's more to the story and it's being held in your nervous system. And so the reason I like the restorative breathwork pattern that I do is that it gets to the root. It creates an unwinding effect. So when we do this lower or this longer, slower, deeper breath, we're gently challenging and changing our habitual way of breathing, which is that restricted, shallow chest breath. And when you take those longer, slower, deeper breaths, essentially you're exposing to your conscious awareness everything that led to you having that shallow, restricted chest breath, which is not just the daily things that are causing us stress. It's like the trauma, it's the limiting beliefs, it's the repressed emotions. And it finally gets exposed to your conscious awareness, right? It's that mind-body connection that everybody talks about, but nobody explains, right? And it shows your conscious like, hey, this is what we're holding, like serves to you on a silver platter. This is what we're holding. This is what we need to let go of. And I think that's why I really like to approach breathwork in this way is because sure, there's a lot about so many different types of breath work. You can do left nostril breathing and right nostril breathing. You can do the breath of fire and all of these things. There's so many different types of breath work. But the thing is, is that all those other types are band-aids, right? They're either down-regulating your system or up-regulating your system, but they're not getting to the root. They're not unwinding everything that's being held in your nervous system. And our nervous system holds an imprint of our entire life experience, our entire life. Some of us, you know, our nervous system starts being developed like shortly right before we're about to be like birthed through the womb. And then for however old old we are now, it's holding our entire life experience. And so there's a lot that's being held in there. And specifically from ages zero to seven, that's when your nervous system is really being developed. And so everything that's happening in that zero to seven timeframe is being directly imprinted into your psyche and held in your nervous system. So imagine all of the things that happened to us till seven years old. A lot of things, a lot of us experience childhood trauma or bullying or someone telling us who we are and then we directly absorb it and we're like, yeah, I guess that's who I am. And we're just like this little sponge and we're like, oh, that's who they told me I am. So that's who, you know, and we're holding that in the body. And the difference is, is that now we're old enough to go back and meet those inner children versions of ourselves and give them the love 
and acceptance and witnessing and honoring them in the ways that they didn't get, which is why we're still holding it in the nervous system. Because as a three-year-old, as a seven-year-old, we don't have the ability to take a step back and look at it with emotional intelligence of what just happened, right? We just store it in their body because we don't know how to handle it. We don't know how to process it through the body. So we're like, I'm just going to store it in here so I can literally keep living. But the thing is, is that it doesn't just poof, go away. It's still there. Your body is still holding onto it. And so when you get triggered, you're going to collapse back into that three-year-old, collapse back into that eight-year-old because it's a kid consciousness, an inner child consciousness that never got to evolve into an adult consciousness. So then we see life through the three-year-old and through the eight-year-old. And until we go back and we meet those inner child versions of ourselves and we give them what they didn't receive, then we can finally move through it. And all of this can happen within the Reiki and the breathwork session when we are doing that breathwork and we're exposing it to our conscious awareness. And then we can finally have the place to be with it, to stay with what's arising. And that's the key part of the breathwork that I do is being with what's arising, no matter what it is, no matter how dense it is or hard or heavy it is, staying with it. Because when we stay with what's arising, that's when it finally releases from the nervous system. The way that you described nervous system regulation is just superb, excellent, fantastic. I want to just give you a round of applause because I really do. It's why I'm so passionate about teaching nervous regulation, nervous system regulation. I do it through dance and other modalities, but I think that this breath work Reiki is like getting into the core. It's like our programming, like our central programming as if we were a computer, we're able to tap in and access the nervous system. And so one, thank you for that explanation. And two, I think a lot of people hear about nervous system regulation and just how you were saying, like it touches on so many things, but it is kind of like a slippery thing. Like people are like, oh, is your nervous system regulated? And you're like, what does that even mean? <laughs> um, so I think that was like a very, you gave a lot of good examples and that was so good. But I guess for someone who is listening right now, that's like, ooh, do I know where my nervous system is at? Or how can I check in on my nervous system? Or do you have any tips for them to, you know, just kind of feel out where they're at with their nervous system in this current moment? Yeah. Yeah. I think the best way to check in is to check in with your body, really, because here's the nervous system. We have our sympathetic nervous system, and then we have our parasympathetic nervous system. And what this really, really looks like is we know we're regulated when we are in a ventral vagal state, when we feel open, we feel connected, we feel joy, we feel purpose, we feel pleasure, right? It feels really good. We have a curiosity towards things. That's like the place we want to be. We want to be in that ventral vagal place. And what sympathetic looks like is the anxiousness, the fear, the body wants to move, right? Because if you're being chased by a tiger, your body wants to move. It wants to shake. It wants to just be up in avoiding things and all of that type of stuff. It's like a chaotic energy where you feel like you can't really access your, your pause, right? Because when we are regulated, we have a moment between whatever just happened in our response. But when we are in sympathetic, we have a knee-jerk reaction. We react. We don't have that space, that capacity to pause and say, how do I want to handle this? We just have the knee-jerk reaction, which is what sympathetic looks like. What 
there's also a dorsal vagal response. This is when we have too much parasympathetic energy happening. And it looks like that freeze that I was talking about where we are, it's like that, that moment when you're in your bed and you're scrolling on your phone and you're like, I really should stop scrolling, but you just can't. You keep scrolling because your body's like, it's frozen. It's in a freeze state and you, there's a lot of indecision happening and a, that feeling of stuckness, all of that stuff. So really it's checking in. It's like, where am I most of the time? Am I running around with this constant fear and anxiety and wanting to move my body Or am I in this position where I feel stuck and like I can't do anything? Like I'm literally frozen. Or do I have a mix of some of both, right? That it's so common to not just be one or the other. We often have a mix of ways that our nervous system reacts. We each have our own autonomic signature, meaning some people are mostly going into freeze and fawn. Or sometimes they jump back between being in the parasympathetic, that ventral vagal and the dorsal vagal. So like we all have our own autonomic signature. It's just tapping in and saying, what am I feeling most of the time? Mm, Wow. Okay. Will you explain what is the difference between, like you said, the freeze or the fawn? I've heard that, but I don't know if I could actually explain it. The freeze or the fawn stage. Yeah. Fawn is like when the people pleasing mechanism, it's like where you want Mm. to befriend somebody to protect yourself. You just want to put on the happy face and please them. So there's no issues that you can kind of like avoid, pretend that there's no problem. And you just befriend them instead where you're like, I I don't want to make you mad. So I'm going to be really nice to you instead. And it's actually this like manipulation technique that we're using because we're like, let me shine a light onto you so that you can reflect it back to me. And so we're not Mm. actually being in our authenticity. And here's the one last thing I will say about nervous system regulation. There's so much myth out there. It's like parasympathetic is good and sympathetic is bad. And all nervous system regulation is, is about calming down. And it's just not true. We need both sympathetic and parasympathetic because to be in homeostasis and balance in our body is to flip back and forth between both all day long. It is like a cooperation between the two that is what creates the balance in the body. So we need both. That's how we become authentically grounded and authentically regulated is that ability to flip back and forth. The only problem we have is when we get stuck in sympathetic and our nervous system becomes rigid and it's no longer flexible or resilient to switch back and forth between the two. So it's not about, oh, I should never be in sympathetic. It's how can I create resiliency so that I can snap back to that ventral vagal place quicker? How can I raise my autonomic baseline to something that is more parasympathetic? Wow. I'm learning so much right now. Okay. So for, for everyone listening who might not know the difference between parasympathetic and sympathetic, could you go in a little bit more there on like the, this versus this, right? There's no good. There's no bad. It's just, it is what it is. But could you take us a little bit deeper on the difference between the two? Yeah. So the parasympathetic, we can kind of think of it like it deactivates your body because the thing is, is that that part of our nervous system controls like our bodily functions, right? Our heart rate, our digestion, um, our breathing rate, all of the things. So when we are in parasympathetic, it kind of deactivates that. It slowers it, right? So like if we are in sympathetic, 
it's activating our systems, which is why we want to move. We want to run because we're being activated. Our heart rate becomes faster. Our breathing becomes that shallow, restricted, quick chest breath where it's not that long, slow, deep breath. So when you're in sympathetic, you feel more of this like flight energy and fight too. You may get like a little bit more aggressive because that's your way of your body's way of protecting you, right? So when you're in sympathetic, it is activating your body systems. And then when you're in parasympathetic, it's slowing them down. Mm, Okay. That's beautiful. Yes. And, you know, I was just thinking that too. It makes so much sense too. If you get an argument or you get triggered and then you get angry, you know, all of those emotions are kind of your signature or your, like you said, your autonomic, autonomic signature. I like that term. I'm going to start taking note of that in my everyday just behaviors because I have definitely noticed. And I think this is how I feel. And I'm curious how you feel, but I feel even having all of this awareness that I have now, there are still times where I go in and out where I can tell some days my nervous system is so regulated, so happy, so cozy, so cushy. And then there's some days like Austin, I moved a bunch back to back and I was just so dysregulated. I didn't really even know why I was just dysregulated. And so I think that one, it's great to have awareness and then two tools to get back. But all that being said, I really do feel like it ebbs and flows. I mean, I I think ideally I want to live from a place of constant regulation, but do you think that's possible to constantly be regulated? I love, I love this question. And I love that as, and that's the tricky thing, right? It's like when we have so much awareness and we know that we're supposed to be regulated, I think it's like, Hey, let's snap back to reality for a minute and realize that we're living in life. And there's never, like shit happens in life. There's never going to be an arrival point where we're just 100% regulated 100% of the time. It's not going to happen. There is no just like, I'm regulated and I'm never going to go back. It's always going to be this moment where we are going to be dysregulated at times. The power move is being able to have the tools and the knowledge to bring yourself back to that place of regulation. But it's also... There's hope in it because you can literally raise the baseline of your nervous system so you're never crashing so far back into like being stuck, like super stuck in fight or flight. You can raise the resiliency where you will snap back, which is the the premise basically of why I do the breath work that I do because the specific restorative breath work that I do with my clients raises that baseline. So you're not, you're literally getting back to that place where you can be have a baseline of parasympathetic, but there's always going to be moments where you become dysregulated, but now you have the ability to come back to your baseline faster. Wow. Yes. Perfect answer. That's exactly how I feel. And you just articulated it. That's how I feel. It's like, I never, there's never an arrival with any of this work. You know, I'm a forever student. I always love to say this is AG University podcast because yes, I, you know, I take the title of professor, but I am a forever student, forever learner. Anybody that claims they have it figured out, they're lying. (laughs) I don't believe them. (laughs) And so that's how I feel. I'm like, I have this awareness. I have tools and I'm every day looking for new tools to add and to teach because I'm also looking for them for myself, you know, because I think that it's just an ebb and a flow. It's a dance. It's just a constant dance of checking in. And it really, every single thing when it comes to my nervous system is a practice. I'm like, Ooh, I'm going to check in. You know, some days I'm feeling like I might want to have a matcha, but I'm like, Ooh, I don't think I need any caffeine today. Cause I check in with my nervous system. You know, it's just for me, it's, 
it's like having this very open relationship as if it's just another version of Anna Grace. I'm checking in on her. How's she feeling? How's she doing? <laughs> before I, yeah. you know, ingest anything or before I do an intense workout or before some days I'm just like, yeah, it feels so good and I'm so excited. And then some days my nervous system's like, nope, can't. Whatever that yeah. is sounds terrible. <laughs> so yeah. you know, it's, it is kind of just like this relationship, and and you really you know validated exactly how I've been feeling and experiencing my nervous system as well. Yeah, and that's like the best thing you can do is cr- create a relationship with it. Act like it's just a version of you that you can actually speak to and say, "Hey, what do you need? What do you need today? What do you not need? What do we need to avoid today? Like what would really feel good and nourishing? And that's going to look different from day to day. And that's what it means to be a human. And also when we go back to thinking about the fact that the nervous system holds an imprint of your entire life experience, that's why there's never this arrival point. There's so much to unpack within that. And that's just our lifetime. We're not even talking about generational trauma and ancestral trauma and all the other things that we're holding. So it's just like remembering that we can just check in, do the best we can in every now moment and create that relationship where it feels good and it feels nourishing and supportive to the nervous system. It's not about arriving somewhere and being regulated 24-7 because it's not it's not the goal. That's not what we're here to do. If we didn't become dysregulated at points, we would stay stagnant because why people don't change when they're comfortable, right? When you're comfortable, mm. you're like, oh, I'm good here. I like it. It's cozy. Right. The moment that we become dysregulated, we learn something We're like, ooh, OK, I'm going to avoid that or ooh, this is an initiation for me. This is a period of contraction. And in this period of contraction, I know it's hard and I know it doesn't feel good. But on the other side of every single contraction is massive expansion. So let me honor this space of feeling a little bit dysregulated because there's a jewel. There's some gold. There's some alchemy within this process. Oh, yes, that is so good. I, I That's how I feel. It's like if we didn't get dysregulated, we really wouldn't learn anything. We wouldn't change, evolve, grow. I, I answered this question once back on an old podcast where someone said, you know, the saying of like, I'm exactly where I'm meant to be. And they're like, well, what if I don't like where I am right now? I'm like, even better, because that means you need to get up and you need to move somewhere else. You need to do something different. Like it's even better if when you say that, I'm exactly where I need to be, or I am safe right here. And you're like, ooh, actually don't feel that way. Amazing. That is intel. That is data that your body is communicating because our body is brilliant. Our nervous system is brilliant. Our nervous system is going to be like, hey, this person that you're spending all this time with, ooh, ooh something's not right there. <laughs> you know, if you're just yeah. completely dysregulated in their presence, it's like, trying to help you. You know, it goes back to being that relationship, this friend. It's like, I got your back, but like, hey, run. <laughs> this is not a good situation. Or, or you know, we're ready for something new. We're bored. You know, there, I think you're so correct on there's information there. And I think that's such a beautiful reframe to yeah. when there's been times I've been dysregulated. I've always learned something really potent or powerful that I then go on to teach, you know, so it's like yes. completely serves a purpose. Yeah. Yeah, I say this all the time. I say this all the time. I like when I, the, one of the main things I got out of everything that I went through was that pain is an opportunity because when we are in pain enough, 
it creates the exact conditions to be willing and ready to move through whatever that contraction is for you. Pain is a beautiful thing, and we are wired to avoid pain and to avoid the harder stuff. The moment that we run like hell towards it instead of avoiding it is the moment our entire lives change for the better every single time. Amen. Amen. I mean, pain is, it's a pathway. It's a portal. It's a portal to another version of ourselves that we didn't even know was possible that we could step into. And you're like, holy shit, I am, I am so capable. I am courageous. I am brave. I am strong. It just, it unlocks this new superpower within us. That's why I'm with you. I'm like, I'm not, I'm not scared when things come up now. I have such a, I used to be like, oh no, I don't know like what's going to come up. But now I'm like, oh my gosh, first of all, we've already lived through all of this, you know, we're fine. (laughs) Now we can process it through this lens of love and safety and healing. And it's a completely, even if it's uncomfortable, it is such a rewarding experience to be able to revisit some of these experiences through this lens of love that we just didn't have before, or even, you know, awareness, having awareness is huge. Oh my God. So huge. It's so true. I mean, every moment that we've walked through that felt like literally walking through the fire and I don't know if I'm going to make it through has been the reason that you have this podcast and you have so many stories to tell and to uplift other people and to share your sacred lived experience that somebody in some way can relate to and that's helping somebody else. And I think there's so much beauty in being like, there's purpose in the pain. There's purpose in the illness that I went through. There's purpose in being here right now and being a Reiki master. And the next contraction that comes along, there's going to be purpose in that. And it's only going to make me better. And even thinking back to, you know, that it's so often I get asked like, okay, but when, when am I going to be regulated or when am I going to get through this? And when is my nervous system going to heal? And it's like, if you could, you would. And when you can, you will. If you could, you would. If you can, you will. Like I come back to that every single time. It's asking yourself, am I willing and am I ready to actually move through the things that I need to? And it's a power move to say, actually, I'm not willing to move through it right now. Actually, that's a little still, it's too crunchy for me. That creates an inner safety in the body. It's not about just like moving through all your hardship as fast as you can. It's like, if I'm not willing and I'm not ready yet, then that's okay because you just created inner safety in the body that says, ooh, she's got me right now. She's listening to me. And it actually gets you to that place of being uh, willing even faster because you've created that inner safety to sit with it. So it's like how authentic and how real and how honest can I be with myself from moment to moment about how I'm feeling and if I'm actually willing to move through it. It's power move after power move when we really just listen to the body. Wow. Yeah, it it really is. It's just like one step at a time. I always tell Mm -hmm. people it's just one foot in front of the other. And, and then it's really crazy. Like I've had these moments where I looked back in a time where I was really dysregulated and most of the time I didn't really do anything that crazy. It's not like I, you know, I always tell people, it's not like I took ayahuasca and did all this crazy stuff. It's like, no, I just like journaled. I just listened. I just took things off my plate. I just slowed down a little bit. I, you know, implemented a few other things. It was, it's very simple things. And it just took a little bit of time, you know, like you, it's just one foot in front of the other, you know, right now I've been telling everyone I'm on this liver detox. And I told Austin, I'm like, Oh, I can't believe this is 30 days long. And he goes like, he goes, no, it's not 30 days. You only have tomorrow. And then the next day, 
and then the next day. It's Ooh. one day at a time. Okay. It's Ooh. one day at a time. And I was like, oh, you're so right. He's just such a such a simple, profound man. But it's true. You know, most of the time, it's really we don't have to do anything that crazy. It's just like paying attention, slowing down, letting time do its thing, and we're gonna be just fine. We're gonna be better than fine. We're gonna come out to the other side. Being like, damn, I didn't even know that I was capable of this level of love, happiness, joy, you know, once it's on the other side. (laughs) Yeah. It's so funny because as humans, we overcomplicate everything, everything. Everything. And it's really just Mm -hmm. scaling back and being as simple as possible. And when it comes to nervous system regulation, everything that you need is free. Basically, you need your breath. You need to slow down. Maybe you need to go put your feet in the grass and look at the sun when it's rising in the morning. Or maybe you need to get into some a cold plunge, right? Just And that could be your bathtub. Fill it with cold water. You don't have to go buy a $1,000 cold plunge thing. Just go get and expose your body to cold because cold is really good for the body. And it's really just these simple things of what feels good? How can I slow down? How can I learn how to use my breath? And here's the thing. It's okay to get help to invest in the healer, right? With the awareness of I'm not coming to them for them to heal me. I want to be taught how to insource. I'm only outsourcing to learn how to insource so that I can be my own healer. And that's my favorite thing about working with people. It's like, yes, you're your own healer. I'm my own healer. Your body may hold the pain, but it also holds your keys to your healing. I'm not in the practice of taking ownership over anybody else's healing. It's like when you come in, let's just guide you. Let me just hold your hand and we're going to walk up to the edge of the forest that is your internal landscape and we're going to walk through it together. But you're the one doing the work. You're going to learn how to insource, to create the inner safety so that you can make the changes that you need to. But if you don't create the inner safety first, everything else is going to fall away because you can't keep Mm -hmm. up with it. Right? You're going to self-sabotage. But if you create the inner safety, something that says, actually, you're doing a really good job. Actually, we should be proud of ourselves today. If you can create that type of relationship with yourself, you will be unstoppable in any area of your life. Unstoppable. Amen. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I, that's how I feel about the Akashic Records work. You know, that's why I just recently have gotten into launching how to read the Akashic Records because as much as I love connecting with people and clients one-on-one, as do you, I never, ever, ever want to take ownership for, you know, oh, Anna Grace helped me find your soul's purpose. I'm like, no, no, no. You knew it was in there all along. I just reflected it back to you, but you knew like that information is there and you have the key and you are on the right path. You know, nine times out of 10, they're always like, how did you know that? I've always thought that. I'm like, exactly. You always thought that. I'm just here to echo it and to make it, you know, just to kind of pull it out of you and make it a little brighter. But it was you. It was you that that fed me, that led me to this information that you unlocked this key and I just helped you see it. Right. But it's like, Everyone has the ability to do this work. Everybody has the ability to read their Akashic records. Everybody has the ability to self-heal through Reiki. Everybody has the ability to do breath work. And it's so empowering to, you know, have a resource, have someone, like you said, I love that, walk you to the edge of the forest. That's your internal landscape. And then say, okay, I'm holding your hand. I've got you. But then from there, you know, there is this new self-healing capability that's unlocked because we just witness it and other guides, you know, we see, oh, they can do that. So can I. And everybody here, like, you can do this. You can heal 
anything. And I believe that to my core, anything that's come up in your life, no matter how scary, traumatic, whatever, you can heal it. Our brain is like, our brain wants to be expanded and changed. It's very malleable. And I hope this podcast has been an invitation for everybody to look a little deeper and to go through a lens of love and acceptance. And like you said, it doesn't have to be overcomplicated. We overcomplicate everything. (laughs) It can be quite easy and quite simple. I know. I know. And it's true. And I'm so honored to have been on here and to talk with you about all of this and the nervous system and empowering yourself to be your own healer. I mean, my main message is that you are the medicine that you need. There's nobody else Mm. outside of you that's going to come and save you. And they're not going to, they're not going to give you, you know, your ability to heal. You already have it with inside of you, right? It's in there. It's just, can I trust myself enough to go in and do the work that needs to be done? Can I trust that I can do it by myself? Because for so long, we've been sold a narrative that we do have to be healed by somebody else. We do have to go to the doctor and they have to give us the medicine or they have to do the surgery and somebody else is claiming ownership over our healing. But it's like when we take that step back and say, no, I have ever, our body is so smart and it's so intelligent. We have everything we need in the body. We were given our breath to heal for a reason. And everybody has the ability to heal through their hands or through Reiki. It just has to be activated, right? But it's still there. It still lives inside of you for every single person. And I always say this, I'm like, I think everybody should be at least attuned to Reiki 1 because Reiki 1 is just about self-healing, which when you think about the way that they set that up all those hundreds of years ago when they made Reiki is they knew that self-healing had to be number one, that you couldn't pour from an empty cup, that you have to Mm. give from your overflow. And in that overflow, you can serve somebody better. So Reiki One is like channeling this energy to heal yourself, heal your body. It's so empowering to be like, I can call upon this ancient, free, potent medicine daily, connect it with my body and actually heal because the body can heal itself if you give it the chance to. And if you believe it. If you believe it can heal, it will. You know, we've, like you said, we've been sold a narrative that we need something else in order to heal. And we don't, we could just, it's, I I always think about Joe Dispenza, how he broke his spine. They said he'd never walk again. And he just laid down and that motherfucker healed his whole spine with his eyes closed. Literally wild. I think about that all the time. I'm like, he just sat there and just imagined his nerves like connecting back together. And it did. It did. Boom. Like the impossible is not impossible. I just, I really believe we are so much more magical than we actually even know we are magical. I, I think there is so much more that humans are capable of that we haven't even tapped into. And, and, and the way that we can tap into more is by regulating our nervous system. The more that, the more that we know about our nervous system, the more that we can hold and open up our gifts. So it's, it's definitely why it's been a fascination of mine too for, for years, um, gosh, Nikki, I, I learned so much from, from you and I'm just so, so, so thank you. Thank you. Thank you from the bottom of my heart for coming on. I think that this is going to help so many people and your story is just magic and you are a fairy magical creature. And I just feel really <laughs> lucky to know you and to call you a friend. And I'm so happy that you do the work that you do because the world needs you. Everybody needs you. So please tell everybody where they can find you and just a little bit more about how to connect with you. 
Yeah. So thank you so much. I can't like go on without saying thank you. You're just truly the best. And that means so much to me. You have no idea. And I'm honored to be your friend and just all the things. And thank you. But I, my main place is my Instagram. So it's at it's underscore Nicolette Marie. That's like my main place. My website's on there. Right now, my main thing that's going on is that I am attuning people to Reiki 1 and 2. It's called Open. It's a six-week attunement course. We go so in-depth. It's so long. It's six weeks because we prepare your mind, body, and spirit for both of the attunements. We're diving so deep into things that aren't commonly taught in Reiki trainings like intuition and chakras and shadow work and moving through triggers and just so much stuff is in this program. So if you feel called to check that out, official enrollment starts, I don't know when this podcast is coming out, but official enrollment starts on the 22nd and then enrollment ends on I think February 1st. Uh, But I'm excited about that right now. And that's linked in my bio. You can also find me on TikTok, same username at or at it's underscore Nicolette Marie. And yeah, I'm just, I'm around. Thank you. You guys, you got to check her out. I want to do your open course. I'm like, you just sold me. I'm like, I need to do Reiki attunement one and two. <laughs> now that it's, I've so to good. You. <laughs> it's so good. Uh, I'll link everything in the show notes. That way you guys can easily connect with her. And I just, I love you. Thanks for coming to class. You guys. I love you. I love you. Thank Mwah. you again. As always, I just wanted to say thank you so much for tuning in. If you feel so called or if it feels aligned, I would love for you to leave me a review here. I always love reading your beautiful thoughts and messages. And also you can find me at Anna Grace Newell on Instagram, TikTok, and YouTube. And I will link all of my courses, AG University course curriculum in the show notes, along with if you're interested in booking an Akashic Records reading with me, my scheduling link goes out in my newsletter. It goes out once a month and it's completely free. I would love to have you there. As always, I'm a proud professor and you get an A plus for making it all the way through the end. Love you.